everybody. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. My name is Zach, and I'm back again this week with Krista. Welcome back. And we are excited to be in Alma chapters 31 and 32 this week. These are, I feel like I say this with a lot of chapters, but these really are some of my all-time favorite chapters, especially chapter 32. Um, We're always really excited about it, too. We're really excited to be in, but... (laughs) We did make a podcast about scripture, so obviously we're excited, we're excited about all the about chapters. So. This is the best chapter ever. So um, we are going to put our study tip for today actually at the end of the episode because it's based on what we're studying, and it's kind of a little homework assignment for you. So hang on to the end of the episode for a study tip and even some resources that we'll put out on social media for you to help you with that study tip. So. With that, though, you wanted to start us off by kind of... Just maybe a response or a continuation of last week's episode that Zach ended with. We heard Alma and Korihor Mm -hmm. and Alma's testimony of him being very sure and his knowledge of, of a god. And I think that can be really inspiring. The thing that at the end, when he talks about the possibility of knowing and that we can know too... And this know, that we can know, we can know, mm-hmm. we can know. I just remember you saying that at the end. I should have listened to it again to be sure. Um, I guess I I wanted to talk about that know. And fortunately, Alma talks about it in chapter 32. And we get this idea of what it really means to know. And I guess my question really is, and maybe you face this question too, is what does it mean to know? Can we really know? Mm-hmm. Um, Do we really know? I think that's become a very popular cultural phrase in the church. Years, right? That's that's. Yeah, the I I have to admit that I kind of cringe when we say the phrase comes up that I know the church is true. I think that's gotten a lot of um, you know our era of friends, era of what would you say? Peers. Our peers, that's the word I'm looking for, into a lot of trouble. I think that becomes very overwhelming to have to say that I know the church is true. It makes it kind of an all or nothing game. Either I know the church is true, or if I have a doubt, then the church must not be true, and therefore I'm out. And nothing in life is a true false test. Nothing in life is 100% sure or 100% not sure. In fact, I think it was I think it was Elder McConkie. I could be misquoting this horribly, but I think it was Elder McConkie that said, no one has a testimony of the entire truthfulness of the church. Our testimony is built brick by brick, little bits by little bits. And then you even have to examine the fact of, are we talking about the church as a structure or are we talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Where where does that line fall into? I this is something that I've really tried to talk to my kids a lot about is because especially children, they hear that phrase and that's what they cling on to because it's like, oh, we got to say, I know the church is true. true. When again, I kind of cringe. I want my kids to know and not be overwhelmed by that statement. That statement overwhelms me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to let them know that they can feel, they can um, understand, they can, they don't have to know everything. And maybe that's just living in this this age that we live in where knowledge is so big because of all the resources we have. In fact, we just did tonight, um, we had a little family testimony meeting. And our oldest son, Finn, that was his testimony 
was he was trying <laughs> he was trying to be witty and clever in his testimony, trying to tell jokes like he hears other people tell jokes. It was really funny. We were suppressing our <laughs> our laughter because it was so cute, but it was also at the end of his he was talking about <laughs> was it Thomas Edison, the light bulb, and and uh, Elder Robbins shared it in conference. Yeah, and so the story Finn says, you know, it was like the guy that that. Um, made the light bulb, he had to try like a million times before he got it right. And I'm sure when he got it right, he was shocked. Like, literally, he was shocked. And we both burst out laughing. But <laughs> it's a pretty good joke. Part of his we testimony part of his testimony was we don't have to be right all the time. Sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we get things wrong and that's okay. And I thought that was a very mature testimony for a for a seven year old. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. I mean and even our other son in his, I, I think you were going to Well, he just said story. that, he said, he had this great little testimony too, but in there was the phrase, I know the church is true. And then he said after that, and it will always be true for me, which I like that he sees agency in his testimony, that it's not something he has to respond to reactively, but something he chooses. But hearing that little phrase, I know the church is true, made me feel that of, I don't want this this I know culture to pressure him into saying something or feeling like he has to say something just to have a quote unquote testimony. Testimonies do not have to have the phrase, I know the church is true in them to be a testimony. And that's what this episode is actually all about. So if we can dive in, this is Alma chapters 31 and 32, and we'll come back to 31 in our next episode a little bit more in detail. But the background of the story is Alma and this kind of super missionary cohort that goes with him. He's got Amulek, he's got Zezrim, he's got his sons, and uh, they all go out and visit the Zoramites. And the Zoramites are, the word Alma uses, or the word Mormon uses in Alma 31, is they're perverting the ways of the Lord. And again, we'll talk more about that next episode. Um, But it's a tough mission. It's a tough place. And so Alma goes and they start to preach. And chapter 32, he notices that they start to have success among the poorer class of the people. And as soon as he sees that, they focus their efforts on these more, these poor, humble people. And one of this group of Zoramites comes to Alma and asks this question. This is verse 5 in chapter 32. There came one unto Alma, who was of the foremost among them, and said unto him, Behold, What shall these my brethren do? For they are despised of all men because of their poverty, yea, and more especially by our priests. For they have cast us out of our synagogues, which we have labored abundantly to build with our own hands. And they have cast us out because of our exceeding poverty. And we have no place to worship our God. And behold, what shall we do? That question, I think, is probably at the heart of every testimony. If I can rephrase it in a different way, as Krista mentioned, we got done with Alma last episode battling Korihor with his testimony and saying, I know there is a God. And essentially what the Zoramites are saying to Alma is, how can we know that there's a God? We can't even go to our synagogues and worship. How do you get that kind of conviction or that kind of testimony? And so what Alma does is he lays out this beautiful experiment. Here's how you build a testimony. Here's how you can prove to yourself that there's a God and gain greater trust and greater faith in him. 
So this may be kind of nerdy of me, or it is nerdy of me. Krista rolled her eyes when she said, oh, I hate when you do things no, like this. No, I thought it was another one of your, like, has to start within a certain letter and do that. <laughs> There's but no this alliteration, was, this one. This one this actually works. a good one. So Alma, in verse 27, will use the word experiment. Um, and if you've read Alma 32 before, a lot of people have, and you're familiar with the experiment, we talk about it. There's some things we get wrong, which we'll come to in a minute. But I have been reading as part of my studies, hundreds, literally hundreds of experiments. And each experiment follows a pretty typical pattern. So what we want to do is lay out Alma's experiment following this pretty typical pattern. Step one in an experiment is what's called a literature review. And basically it's, here's what we already know about the topic or about the experiment. Or better said, here's what we have to know before we can actually begin our experiment. And so what Alma does to the Zoramites is when they come to him and ask him this question, he will praise them for the fact that they already have the qualities needed in order to perform this experiment of faith. And you can go through the middle chapters here, starting in, I don't know, verse 13, 14 or so. The middle uh, verses. Until about 26 or 25 or 26, and find some great things yourself. But we found just a couple that we wanted to point out. So he talks a lot about being humble um, and I think we can all identify that that is definitely an important part to building any part of faith. But I feel like this one really has been something that I've experienced often in my journey to faith or journey in faith, I should say. It's just um, that unfortunately I've been one of those people that needs to be compelled to be humble all the time. You're <laughs> I, 14, right? You were humble because you were compelled to be humble. Yes, which, you know what? He even says that. That's a good thing. Yeah. But sometimes it's good to realize after you're like, bah. but I was just thinking of, um, I often think of my mission on this one because I was like ready to like be this rock star slash robot missionary that did everything perfect and everything right. I, I thought, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd got this stuff down and being in a country by myself. I mean, I had a companion, but I felt very alone. Um, not knowing the language was really hard for me. I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I was a two-year-old that didn't know how to speak. And that was really humbling for me. Um, and in fact, my whole mission was humbling just for that, of not being able to connect and talk with people the way that I hoped and wanted to as a missionary um, was super humbling for me. But the thing that it did for me was it, um, it gave me something to rely on. I needed something that wasn't my own strengths, strengths mm -hmm. that I felt like I had created in my life. And here I was, um, I knew how to read the scriptures and I knew how to study hard. And so that's all I could do. And I knew how to pray. And I really feel like that humbling moment set me up for um, learning how to rely on God. So why do you think that's important then? Because Alma will praise them and say, essentially, if you don't have this humility, the experiment won't work. You can't, you can't come to a knowledge of anything if you don't have that humility. So for you, why was that important? Mm, I, I look at other moments, and maybe this will... I, I really feel like those, for me, the pride of thinking that I've got this on my own. And then maybe in other times when I've had doubts about faith, about a lot of things, because... I tend to be kind of a cynical person about a lot of those things that I feel like those, I guess I'd call them natural man tendencies mm. that I've had to really strip away 
only when I've been compelled to be. Because sometimes I just can't do that on my own. But I have to wipe away some of those prideful things that I... I mean, we talked about that last episode. I'm kind of stubborn in that Mm -hmm. way. And I feel that that um, happens with my faith and my ability to communicate and let God in. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it does. Humble, man. Sometimes we're compelled to be humble, but aren't we glad that he compels us to be? At least I am. Well, it places that humbling in a good perspective to know if God's humbling me, it might be because he's preparing me for an experiment where I can actually grow my faith, yeah. grow my testimony. Yep. The word I liked is in verse 21. This is the famous verse about faith is, things, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things, but you hope for things which are not seen, but which are true. And I think hope has to be at the core of a successful faithful experiment. If I don't have hope that performing this experiment that we're going to talk about will work, I won't do the experiment. I have to be optimistic. One of the things I've been very aware of is how pessimistic the world is. Uh, Teenagers, even children, and especially adults, there's a lot of pessimism, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of negativity. That's cynical. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. That's that natural man that I experience yeah. often is that cynical thing of like, you can't even hope. Yeah. And I think that might be one of the biggest brick walls to to performing this experiment, to gaining greater and deeper knowledge of good and true things. That's interesting because we, I'm, I'm reading the book Planted by Patrick Mason and he, I'm listening to it and then I had to get it the actual copy of it because there's so much goodness in it. Um, But he talks about that, how hope is kind of the, especially in this age of doubt and secularism that we live in, he talks about how that is the, like the hope is kind of the lost, Mm. the lost virtue. We talk a lot about faith, hope, charity, and love, but we don't, don't hope hope gets, gets skipped over. Yeah. And so I think so too. These other ones in here, remember, believe, and to have his word, these are kind of those beginning it's, literature reviews. Right. It's a those, thing that, that we have to have in order for the experiment And those to are work. some of the other things he mentions in these next verses. Remembering, That believing. God is merciful. Mm-hmm. Believe even on his word. This is verse 22. Um, and then the next thing that he needs, or that you need in order to perform the experiment, is verse 23. And now he imparteth his word by his angels. I mentioned the word again in verse 23. And then down in verse 27. So part one of the experiment is the literature review. And Really, if you want to perform the experiment, you probably should stop right now and ask yourself, am I humble? Am I sufficiently humble? Do I have hope? Do I remember how merciful God has been to me? And do I believe? Because without a yes answer to some of those questions, conducting this experiment becomes kind of difficult. The second thing that these research reports do that I read a lot is they, after the literature review, they formulate a research question. Um, This is what they're actually investigating. And this is the part that I think we get wrong all the time when we talk about Alma 32. The traditional mantra of Alma 32 is, oh, this is a chapter about growing faith, right? Faith is like a seed. And so Alma is going to talk about the seed and it's growing our faith. Alma does not say faith is like a seed. That's a primary song. Not that it's a bad thing, but Alma doesn't say faith is like a seed. Listen to what Alma said the seed is. This is verse 28. Now we will compare the word unto a seed. The experiment is not to grow your faith or grow your testimony. Maybe in some kind of general way it is. The experiment is to uh, find out about this word 
or this seed. And I will clarify in the next chapter that the word is the doctrine of the Son of God. In fact, he'll cite the specific example of Moses raising the brazen serpent in the wilderness and telling the people that if they'll just look and live. And then he'll say, this is chapter 33, verse, pardon the page turn, verse 23, my brethren, I desire that you shall plant this word in your hearts, meaning the word that Jesus Christ can save you if you'll just look to him. That's what the experiment is about. I'm trying to find out if that word or that seed is, and be careful here, the experiment is not about finding out if the seed is true. Alma will say this once and then he'll clarify. So continuing verse 28, we will compare the word to a seed. If you give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be a true seed or a good seed. That word true in verse 28 is the only time in this experiment where Alma will use the word true. 13 other times he will describe the seed as good. Alma's research question is not, is the church true? Or is my faith true? Or was Joseph Smith a true prophet? Those are not bad questions to ask, but that's not the question Alma's asking. Alma's question is, is this seed good? That's a very different question. And I like it because it's a lot easier to discern than if something is true. And I think we can easily implant here these other words that we can replace for I know the church is true. Maybe we're saying words like, I feel this when I do this. I feel God's presence when I pray. I feel hope because of the light that I feel when I read my scriptures or when I feel like I'm connecting with God. In fact, that's verse 35. Oh, then is not this real? I say unto you, yea, because it is light and whatsoever is light is good because it is discernible. Therefore, you must know that it is good. So good synonyms for good. Something is good, it's light, it's discernible, it's real. I've never heard someone share that testimony, but I'd love to hear it. If someone stood up on fast Sunday and said, I'd like to bear my testimony. I know that the church is good, or I know that prayer is good. It fills my soul with light. Um, it's God is discernible to me. I feel like he's real. Because of the unity that I feel being here. Yeah. It's not about if it's true. We get so hung up on the true-false test of the church, and it's not about if it's true, or at least it's not primarily about if it's true. It's about if it's good. Does it do good things for you? You're not a member of the church because the church is true. You're a member of the church because the church is good and because it does good things for you and good things for your family. You might have doubts or questions about church history or church doctrine or what have you, and that's okay as long as the answer to the question is, is this good for me? Is it good for my family? And if it is, stay, because that's what the seed, that's what the experiment is about. So we've got the literature review. We've got the research question. The third thing that we do in research reports is we talk about methods. And so Alma talks about the method. This is really quick, but in verse 27, behold, if you will awake and arouse your faculties even to an experiment upon my words, and then I love this line, and exercise a particle of faith. Yea, even if you can do no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you even until you believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. I'm almost being really realistic here. You don't need massive amounts of faith. You don't need massive amounts of knowledge. You don't need any knowledge, according to Alma. You just need 
even just the desire to believe. I just want this to be true. And if you want it to be true and you can give a little bit of place for the word to be planted, you can listen to it and hear it and act on it. You can participate in the experiment. And again, let's remember what seed we're planting. We are planting the seed of the word, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that brings a lot of hope to this um to the method, I guess, mm-hmm. that we're using is to know what seed you're planting. You are exercising a particle of faith and hope that maybe God is really there. Maybe Jesus Christ really is his yeah. son. It's just these little beginnings yeah. that make a huge difference. So then we get to the fun part. The whole part, the whole point of an experiment is to see the results. And Alma specifically names results of the experiment in verse 28. Again, this isn't how you know if the seed is true. This is how you know how you know if the seed is good. So verse 28, if you'll give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it's a true seed or a good seed, and if you don't cast it out by your unbelief that you will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, here comes the first result, it will begin to swell within your breast. And when you feel these swelling motions, you'll begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the word is good. So the first result is if it's a good seed, you will feel a swelling motion. Um, I had someone explain this to me once and clarify this isn't necessarily an emotional response. It's a spiritual response. But this is one we're probably familiar with where you feel something inside your heart, inside your soul that swells. I'll be honest, this isn't one that I experience a whole lot. I have experienced it. I remember feelings where I felt swelling. I don't know if you have, but I, I, this is one I feel a whole lot, but I know a lot of people do. I think I do. Okay. I think this is one I identify with. The swelling motions. That's the first one he mentions. The second result, uh, he says, it must need to be that this is a good seed or that the word is good, for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. This, I think, is a, a behavioral response. Um, for lack of a better phrase, I call this the legacy theater effect. When you go to the legacy theater and you watch Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration, or Testaments, or Meet the Mormons, and you walk out of that theater and all you want to do is good. You want to give money to every panhandler on the street. You never want to say another angry word in your life because your soul is enlarged. You just want to do good and be good. And I, I would maybe add something to that one because I, I like this one a lot too. I I feel like when we get answers, when the seed is good, for me it becomes this like, maybe my it enlarges my soul. Can your soul be your brain too? Well, that's the next <laughs> I mean, one, right? I know, but I don't know if that is in light. I guess they're, I guess they're very it's similar. Kind of connected. That just feeling of like, everything's opening up you feel more capable when your soul's enlarged you feel like you can do more and be more it's a it's a very optimistic feeling of i can i can do more things i can be better the third one it begins to enlighten my understanding these are those great aha moments right this makes sense to me i get it I, i finally get it why would you not want to do this experiment right if you can have an enlarged soul and enlightened understanding man ah and then the last one it beginneth to be delicious to me. And if you're a nerd like me and you like things like this, swell, enlarge, enlighten, delicious. First letter of each one, S-E-E-D, spell seed, and you throw up your hands and say, See, oh, I told true. you. I told you he was going to throw one in. But it's that. a great way to remember this, that um, 
This isn't about true. This is about swelling, enlarging, and lightning delicious. The next time you stand up and bear your testimony, try one of those words. Mm. See if it fits better. See if you can describe your experience using enlarging or enlightening. I'd like to bear my testimony today that God enlarges my soul. Or can I share something from the scriptures that just enlighten my understanding? Or can I just talk about something that's delicious to me, that's just plain good? And maybe sit right now and think about that. Hmm. When was the last time you had one of those moments? I hope you have. If you haven't, let's try the experiment now. Yeah. Because... I think that's why I'm. my heart is kind of just bursting right now with this. You're having an enlarged I'm soul. I'm enlarged. I'm enlarged. <laughs> anyway, but these things are real. These things are real and they can happen and they do. Yeah. God wants to speak to us through his word as we study about Jesus Christ. These things are good. I mean, all of those things are just good. Yeah. Delicious. It enlarges our soul and it enlightens us, gives us light into our mind and our heart. And that is good. Now, at the end of research reports, they don't end with the results. They always end with a conclusion or a, a discussion and conclusion where they talk about the implications. What does this mean? And Alma does the same thing. He's very clear. This is verse oh, 20, 36. Behold, I say unto you, nay, meaning can you let your faith rest now? Are you done with the experiment? And he says, no, you must not lay aside your faith for you've only exercised your faith to plant the seed that you might try the experiment to know if the seed was good, right? That was the whole point. I now know that the seed is good, but the point of planting a seed isn't to know if the seed is good. The point of planting a seed is to grow a tree. Now, it's important that we know the seed is good, that it swells and that it grows, but once the seed starts swelling and growing, Alma says, you can't stop because the goal of, of planting a seed is to grow a tree. Verse 37, behold, as the tree begins to grow, you will say, let's nourish it with great care that it may get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit. Verse 38, don't neglect it. Don't leave it alone. And then perhaps my favorite two verses, 41, if you will nourish the word, yea, nourish the tree as it begins to grow by your faith, with great diligence and with patience. And this experiment takes patience. It takes time. It takes repeated nights, weeks, months of praying and studying to find things that are good and swell and enlarge and enlighten. And going back to that verse 37, like nourish it with great care. Yeah. Oh, that just the delicacy of our feelings and our thoughts about faith can be really delicate. And they do take patience and they do take time yeah. to nourish. Looking forward to the fruit thereof. If it will take root, and behold, it shall be a tree springing up to everlasting life. And because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word and nourishing it, that it may take root, behold, by and by, you will pluck the fruit, which is the most precious, which is sweet above all that is sweet, which is white above all that is white, and pure above all that is pure. And you shall feast upon this fruit even until you are filled that you hunger not, neither shall you thirst. Of course, Lehi's great vision of the tree of life, Nephi clarifies the fruit of the tree is the love of God. The whole point in planting the seed and finding out that Jesus Christ is actually my savior and that that's good is having a tree where I can constantly be filled with the love of God. That's the point, living in God's love constantly. And so as you perform this experiment yourself, remember the things you need to have in order for it to work. The lit review, the humility and the patience and the, and the hope. 
Remember the research question. Well, finding out about the seed is good, not necessarily if it's true. Remember the methods. Only a particle of faith. Remember the results. S-E-E-D. And remember the conclusion. You want that tree. And if you'll do that, I think you'll feel it. And you'll be able to say, I feel the swelling. I feel the enlarging. I feel the enlightening. It's delicious. And it fills my soul with joy. Which brings us right to our study tip here at the end that we promised we'd get to. Um, we have a study guide for you. Wherever you're studying, we want you to practice and try out this experiment maybe for the 100th time or maybe for the first time. But wherever you are in your study, you can experiment upon the word and see how it feels to you. Does it swell? Does your breast, does it enlarge your soul or enlighten your understanding? Or maybe it's delicious to you. And just try out that. Try out and see for yourself if you can feel those things. I think you will be able to. Thanks for studying with us. You can catch that study on our Instagram page at the Scripture Study Project. And again, message us there. Connect with us there. Um, we'll hope to be posting updates and other insights into our into the episodes. Thanks. Thanks.